Welcome. I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of Romans. Today is episode 527. We're looking at Romans chapter 4, verses 13 through 22. Let's read our passage. For the promise to Abraham, or to his descendants, that he would inherit the world was not through the law, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. If those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made empty and the promise nullified, because the law produces wrath, and where there is no law, there is no transgression. This is why the promise is by faith, so that it may be according to grace to guarantee it to all the descendants, not only to the one who is of the law, but also to the one who is of Abraham's faith. He is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. In the presence of God, whom he believed, the one who gives life to the dead and calls things into existence that do not exist. He believed, hoping against hope, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what has been spoken. So will your descendants be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body to be already dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and also the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver in unbelief at God's promise, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, because he was fully convinced that what God had promised, he was also able to do. Therefore, it was credited to him for righteousness. This is Paul's letter to the church in Rome. Paul's in Corinth on his third missionary journey, and he's writing this letter to Rome, explaining the theology behind the gospel. Remember, they don't have the New Testament at this time, so all they've got is what they've been told. And so Paul's providing them some theological background to the gospel. And he intends to go there to strengthen the church so that there can be a good, healthy church at the center of the Roman Empire. Well, he's been addressing the issues of the gospel. The first part is sin. Everybody's a sinner, separated from God. And the only solution to sin is forgiveness. And the issue is, how are you made right in the eyes of God? That is, how are you justified? How are you made righteous? Everyone is unrighteous, and you have to become righteous in order to be acceptable to God. And the only solution is to be made righteous by God. And that happens through faith. Justification is the act of making someone righteous. He's been addressing the point of justification by faith. So through chapter 4, he's using Abraham as the example of someone justified by faith and pushing the idea that Abraham is not just the father of the Jewish people. He's the father of all believers. And as one who is justified by faith, he is the example for all of how to be made right in the eyes of God. So he's been talking about faith. Verses 3 through 8, he talked about faith apart from works. Then verses 9 through 12, he talked about faith apart from circumcision. Now, the first part of today's passage, 13 through 16, he talks about faith apart from the law. Then the second part, 17 through 21, he talks about faith apart from sight. So the whole thing here is it's faith, it's faith, it's faith, nothing but faith. Faith apart from works, apart from circumcision, apart from law, and apart from sight. So verse 13, For the promise to Abraham, or to his descendants, that he would inherit the world, was not through the law, 
but through the righteousness that comes by faith. Well, he mentions promise here. It's the first time he's used the word promise in this letter. But in this passage we're looking at today, he uses the noun promise four times. And then now in verse 21, he uses the verb promised. So promise is a big deal here. And he's speaking about the promise made to Abraham by God. So we often talk about covenants because the Bible's full of covenants. We talk about the, our covenant with God through Jesus Christ as a covenant of grace. A lot of what Paul's been addressing is the covenant made with Moses on Mount Sinai, often called the Mosaic Covenant or the Law. Well, there was a covenant that God made with Abraham. Sometimes it's called the covenant of promise. And it's basically, it's a promise to Abraham of God says, I'm going to do these things. And there's three big pieces of it. And Paul addresses all three of them here. There's a promise of descendants. Remember, Abraham was childless. Abraham and Sarah were old. They're pushing 100 years old by the time all this rolls around. And they've been childless, so it looks pretty much like they're going to be childless. But God promises not just a child, but many descendants. It says the descendants will be like the stars in the sky, like the sand on the beach. It's uh, They'll be too numerous to count. And so there's the promise of descendants, even mentions many nations. There's a promise that Abraham's descendants will possess the land. And there's different ways to look at this. Uh, usually we just look at the idea of the promised land, that the immediate playing out of that is when Moses leads the Israelites out of Egypt and they wander through the wilderness and then they come in and occupy the promised land, the land of Canaan. But the promise made to Abraham specifically is a fairly broad area from the Nile River to the Euphrates River. And it's a pretty big span. Now, one point in Kings, uh, was under Solomon's reign, kind of says that he occupied and ruled over that entire span of land. But often, as uh, the, the Bible plays out, it seems to expand that promise to include the whole world. Then there's the promise that Abraham's descendant will be a blessing to all people. And looking back, we know that to be Jesus Christ. So you got these three pieces of the promise to Abraham. The descendants, the land, and the blessing to all people. So Paul talks about the promise to Abraham. That's what he's talking about. In verse 13, he says his descendants, that he would inherit the world. So Paul's using the expansion of this promise of not just that area in the Middle East, but the entire world. And Paul makes a point in 13 that it's, it's not through the law, not through obedience and following rules, but through righteousness that comes by faith. Remember this whole segment or this whole argument is justification by faith. And remember, righteousness is the noun of that dik, D-I-K word group, and the verb is justify. So justification by faith. Paul doesn't make the argument big here, but some places the argument is made that the promise was made to Abraham, the covenant of promise. But you don't get the law, the Mosaic covenant, until 430 years later. 
So obviously there's not a direct linkage between the two. He goes on, verse 14. If those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made empty and the promise nullified because the law produces wrath. And where there is no law, there is no transgression. So here we see promise again. And he's making the argument that the promise is based on faith, not on obedience to the letter of the law. And he says the law produces wrath. He talked about that earlier, that the law shows the will of God and shows how much people are in disobedience to God. That makes this point that where there is no law, there is no transgression. Does that mean people that don't have the law are innocent? No. We often use transgression and sin as synonyms, but they're, they're not exactly. Paul usually doesn't use them as, as synonyms. Uh, transgression has a meaning and sin has a meaning. Sin means missing the standards of God, where transgression means a violation of a specific rule. So every transgression would be a sin, but not every sin would be a transgression. Just doing something ungodly is sinful, but it may not be a specific transgression of a specific written law. So transgressions referring back to the law, where to violate a tenet of the law is a transgression. It's a sin also, but his point here is that if you didn't have the law, then they're going to have transgressions of the law. But the law shows God's will, shows sinfulness, and just obedience to the law, that doesn't make you an heir of Abraham. Verse 16, this is why the promise is by faith. So here we see promise again, and that linkage to faith, so that it may be according to grace to guarantee it to all the descendants, not only to the one who is of the law, but also to the one who is of Abraham's faith. He is the father of us all. But he's going back, he's made this point before, that everyone who is a believer, everyone who exercises faith, is a spiritual descendant of Abraham. Verse 17, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. That's a quote from Genesis 17, 5. That's that first aspect of the promise to Abraham we mentioned, is the father of many nations, many descendants. In the presence of the God whom he believed, the one who gives life to the dead and calls things into existence that do not exist. Are you speaking of God as the creator and also one who gives life to the dead? This is speaking of people who are spiritually dead, that is dead in their sins, being given spiritual life through justification by faith. He goes on talking about Abraham. Verse 18, he believed, hoping against hope, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what has been spoken. So will your descendants be. So he's just speaking of the, the faith that he believed what God said, and that he did become the father of many nations. Verse 19, did not weaken in his faith when he considered his own body to be already dead, since he was about 100 years old, and also the deadness of Sarah's womb. So here we have the idea of faith despite what is seen to be true. Faith in spite of what seems to say it can't be that way. And so this is faith apart from sight. And we often say we walk by faith and not by sight. Abraham did. He 
He's almost 100 years old. Sarah's 90 years old. They are past childbearing age. People that old don't have children. That's the way it works. That's just biology. But God promised something differently. Do you believe biology or do you believe God? Abraham believed God because God's in charge of biology. So God brought about a miracle. God promised a miracle. Abraham believed that there would be a miracle. And God delivered a miracle. Verse 20. Did not waver in unbelief at God's promise, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. So here we see promise again. And Abraham's faith that God would keep his promise. Verse 21. Because he was fully convinced that what God had promised, he was also able to do. And this is faith. Believing God. Now, it's believing what God has actually said, not believing in what we wish God would say or believing that God's going to do what we want. It's believing what God has said. Verse 22, therefore, it was credited to him for righteousness. That's again quoting Genesis 15, 6. And it goes back to verse 3, where he began this discussion of Abraham, that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him for righteousness. So justification by faith. Faith is believing God. And we got one more, one more passage to finish up chapter 4 as Paul continues looking at Abraham. Abraham is the spiritual father to all believers and as heirs of Abraham, the recipients of the promise of God that was made to Abraham. We have the promise of many descendants, and those of us that are believers are those descendants of Abraham. The promise of possessing the land, and that's a promise of the world. And we know in the end, God wins and God rules the world. And then the blessing to all people that we've already seen through Jesus Christ. And Paul's reason for using Abraham as this example is justification by faith. Abraham believed God and was credited to him for righteousness, not because of what he did, but because he believed God. And that's how everyone is made right with God, is by believing God. Justification by faith. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through Romans.